I, I like that verse that says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice because I can hear myself preaching. I'm like, he didn't get the response he wanted. <laughs> uh, response is everything. Everything. Yes, it is. And I knew a man would be the one to say that. God designed us men to seek a response from a heart. Come on, men. And then, and, and mamas are the same, but I'm just talking about us. Cause you know what? I'm gonna, one of my missions is to restore the beauty, glory, and joy of masculinity. I'm tired of a culture that has feminized and castrated men. I'm sick of it. Anyway, enough of that. You said, you said that? I told you I would say things. All right, what are we gonna talk about? Let's talk about being connected by joy. Connected by joy, Matthew chapter one. Now, if you have a Bible, you can go there, electronic or otherwise. I usually use the uh, English Standard Version. People always ask me, do I have a prejudice on versions? And I, I, I use the English Standard usually because I have a few reasons, but use whatever you want to. And then, you know, that's, I'm throwing in the Passion Translation today. I don't want to, but I did. No, I am. Matthew chapter one, let's go for it. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. In those days, in what days? In the days of Elizabeth's pregnancy. She arose in the days of her announcement that has come to her of her pregnancy. She went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. That means she went from Nazareth in the north down to Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. By now you know. um, You know, Mary and Elizabeth can have quite a conversation because Zechariah can't talk. Because those women both said, absolutely. And the man said, I don't know about this. (laughs) And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Where's that doctrine? Can we make a doctrine out of that? The testimony of Jesus causes the baby to leap in the womb and the mama gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I never heard anybody make a doctrine out of that. I just made a new doctrine. (laughs) This is awesome. Listen, I love this stuff because we are so determined to find formulaic expressions of, of how God works. And the truth is, what God does all the time is he shows us what he does, hiding how he does it in order that we'll seek him so it'll happen in us. You see, if he told us how he works, and the Bible's very plain about this. He made known his ways to Moses, 
because he had that face-to-face relationship with him. But only his acts, his deeds to the children of Israel. And I've spent most of my life, I wish some preacher somewhere had told me that God hides how he does stuff because he's trying to reach me personally so that he can do in me what he wants to do. Because you know what? It's like an old AM radio. Remember those old things and you're, you're driving through the countryside and trying to listen to your favorite thing and you got to work on that thing and you, oh, sometimes you got to stop the car because you found the sweet spot. I did that one time. I, st- I stopped the car so I could hear that call that said, do you believe in miracles? It was a sporting event and I got a gospel out of it. But God wants you to be like an old radio. He wants you to attune yourself to him because he's after you. If he gave you step one, step two, step three, you'd be like me trying to do things in my new car where I read the instructions and go, it doesn't work. But he wants us to tune ourselves to him personally. All right, that's, that was free, that was extra. It just happened. <laughs> But listen, Mary walks in filled with Jesus. And Elizabeth gets filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You think there's some preaching there? You think we can clear a spot and preach that? (laughs) You go around filled with Jesus and people will get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because this thing happens by personal encounter. This thing happens by relationship. This thing happens by divine glory. Not of man, not of the will of man, not of our thoughts, not of our wisdom, not of our ways, but of him who shows his glory. Hallelujah. Getting my exercise. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What a statement. Wow. Don't you you read that and go, how much did she know of what she was saying? How much did she understand? Could she possibly have had anything like the understanding that you and I have in ourselves as we hear those words. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And then she spoke those words over Mary that are recited in the, in the Hail Mary all over the world on the lips of Catholic believers. And you get offended. Stop it. Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And she spoke a blessing. Do you speak blessings? You're you're intended to speak blessings. Children want most of all the words of their parents' hearts over them more than they want what you're wrapping in a box. Children want more the connection of heart, the affirmation of your love, the connection of your insight. Oh, they want it. You say, well, I want my kids listen when, and you know, teenagers, they don't listen to you. Come on, you know that. 
sow it into them when they're young. I will tell you, whatever you sow into your children when they're very young will bear fruit as they get older. And yes, every child goes through that. I just need you to be quiet, mama. Every child goes through that for a while, but they come back to the voice that has tethered them to love, to truth, to hope, to goodness. They come back. That's another free one. I don't know if I'm going to get finished today. And you and I are made as blessers. We exist to bless. I exist to bless. I'm not here to curse. I'm here to bless. I'm here to speak blessings. And that's why when I came to this city, I started blessing this city. Hallelujah. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You're like, how do you know that was what that was? All the scientific among you go, well, how do you prove that? (laughs) You see, the Bible contains a kind of knowledge that you can't access with your studies, with your academics. Nobody loves academics more than I do. But you can't get that kind of insight in a science book. You can't get that kind of insight. The baby in my womb leapt for joy. That meant to say the sound of a voice triggered a response in an in utero child that brought forth in the mother an encounter with God. Are you kidding me? I said I was going to talk about masculinity and all I'm doing is telling you how, men, you can't get this. (laughs) We are connected by joy. We are connected to heaven by joy. We are connected by joy. My first connection with Albuquerque was by joy and I didn't expect it. It was 1983 and we were living in Wake Forest, North Carolina. I was going to seminary again. (laughs) And we fell in love with North Carolina State's basketball team. Yes, I'm a sports fan. Deal with it. And Jimmy V, I had no idea Jimmy V I mean, all the commercials in in ESPN right now are about the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer because we all know about Jimmy V's death by cancer and that speech he gave, don't give up, never give up. (laughs) And it's inspired so many people to action. What do we know about that guy? We know that in the throes of the worst things of life, his joy remained. Well, I remember when that joy came to a a kind of a a mountain peak was when we were living there in North Carolina State. Listen, they they were a good to just better than average basketball team. They won 20 games, but they lost a bunch of games. And they started in that, that March Madness thing. And I'm telling you, every time they would play a game, we lived in seminary housing. And of course, it was fun because in that seminary housing were North Carolina fans, Duke fans, North Carolina State fans, and uh, North Carolina State had never had really any kind of bragging moments. But those games would, would happen, and at halftime, and it, and it breaks, and at big moments, the doors would fly open, and people would come out, did you see that? 
because we were so joyful because in six games, game after game, game after game, game after game, they came back. And then right out here on the pit floor, right out here on the pit floor, Derek Wittenberg, we'd seen him shoot those three-point shots so much. We're like, he's going to make that thing. Shoot that thing. And it was short. <laughs> and, then, and then we saw, we saw him rise up. Who's this, Charles? <laughs> we saw him rise up and catch that ball and dunk that thing on Olajuwon and win the national championship. That was 1983. We were living in um, North Carolina. I had no idea I would ever come to this place. I had a friend that lived in New Mexico. He would always say, you got to come out here to New Mexico. And I'd always say, there's nothing out there. I, I know what the map is. There's nothing out there. Years. <laughs> Finally, by the way, we, we did come. It was, a, <laughs> it was a couple of years later. It was four years later. We drove out here and Gil called it a yellow dog. We had a, we had a Chrysler station wagon that was longer than this building. <laughs> we had three kids and we made a big bed in the back. And yeah, I know all the stuff that our kids were laying in bed in the back. And we were driving down the road 75 miles an hour in that old yellow dog. Because <laughs> we were coming to see my friend Frank Zamora. He lives on, we were in Knoxville on Highway 40. This is a story. He was, he, he was in Grants on Highway on 40. And he said, he, he, he calls us up and says, no, 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 meet me in Albuquerque. Our high school team is playing in the state championships. You want to come meet us at the pit. I'm like, are you kidding me? Let's go. I'm like, yeah, we're going to the pit. We're going to the pit. We're going to the pit. <laughs> I mean, I walked in there. It was almost like walking into Fenway Park. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Not quite. Man, there it was. The floor where, where Jimmy B couldn't get a hug. <laughs> there it was. And I felt the joy. That's what I'm going after, guys. I felt the joy. Listen, the world creates all kinds of opportunities for this thing that we want to experience because we were designed to be connected by joy. And everything in the world tries to steal your joy and take away your connection. And the Lord says, no. <laughs> I'm in trouble today because I've got so much joy. I'll probably, this is the day to ask me for just about anything because I'm going to say yes without thinking. <laughs> I, need, I need the security to march me out of here so I won't say yes to everything in the world because that's what I do when I'm full of joy. I say yes to everything. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Who heard a word from the Lord today? Your preacher. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> 
I told you a few weeks ago, or a couple few months ago, I said, we're bringing the prophetic word back front and center in our church because we're desperate for it. We're desperate for God to say some stuff to us that we're not hearing in the rational mind, but that we're hearing from irrational things. Like behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And so for me, Albuquerque became a joyous destination. And that was like 87. And then in 1991, church from Albuquerque called me up in Jacksonville, Florida and said, would you consider coming to Albuquerque? And my mind, in my mind, I said, wait a minute, Bugs Bunny said he should have made a turn when he went there. <laughs> but we came and stayed. And people said, that church, that, that city is a pastor eating city. Let me tell you what, every city eats everybody. But you and I do not get eaten up and devoured by the devourer. We give ourselves freely and we lay our lives down. And then if we get eaten up, how can you be bitter? You gave yourself. And so my connection to this city is joy. And at first it was joy in the natural. And then it became joy in the Holy Ghost because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Mary started to sing. Are you kidding me? It's time to sing, she says. She breaks out in singing. Humans sing. I love to hear it when the children's voices are raised in singing. I, don't you love it? And I love that we, we said, no, we don't perform here. We share together. And I know we make it awkward for you because you, you want to sit and do all the oohs and ahs. No, we're here to participate together, to be one flesh. We're here to be one spirit. We're here to be one in the Holy Ghost. So Mary started singing the Magnificat. That's the Latin word for the first word in the song, which is magnify. And it's filled with all the, all the, the interpretation that allows us to say, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in, the God, in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on, oh, from now on, from now on, not just you, Elizabeth, but all generations will call me blessed. <laughs> Are you blessed? Yes. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. So don't you want to be called blessed? Because listen, what was born in her has been born in you if you're born again. The Jesus that was in her in the flesh is in you in the spirit if you're born again. <laughs> All generations will call you blessed. You are blessed in the, in the workplace. You are blessed in your families. You are blessed as you sit in front of the bills. You are blessed in your relationships. You are blessed when your fears come and say, no, I'm here. You say, I'm blessed. All generations will call me blessed. Blessed, as we say in 
for he who is mighty has done to me great things and holy is his name. His mercy is on them who fear him from generation to generation. How many generations have come and gone since Mary said those words? And how has the increase of the fruit of her womb come upon this earth? Oh, how it has come. Oh, how it has come. You are the increase of his government in the world. He has shown strength with his arm. This thing turns political, by the way. This is all, we like, we like to go, this is spiritual, this is political. I want you to know that what God did in Mary was, whoo, it was in every way this worldly and in every way of another world. She brought the realities of another world into this world, into the body politic of this world. It doesn't surprise me that all over the world, people whose hearts cry for justice sing Mary's song. People whose hearts cry for, uh, for the Lord to hear their prayers sing Mary's song. Because it turns this way. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Look around the world. Look in our own country. Look everywhere to the seat of power and know this. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. You know what joy is? Joy comes whenever people get even the slightest inkling that what they have been desiring has been realized in the here and now, in the nasty here and now. Something has come here now for us. Every declaration of liberty, every declaration of freedom comes out of the desire to see the mighty brought down from the throne for the thrones and to exalt those of humble estate. Constantly, we who make stands for freedom end up harming others. And oh, that's got to come down too. He filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he sent, and I like the way the old King James says, empty away. Y'all like, like the King James? I still love the King James. I love this next verse. He has hopen his servant Israel. That old word hopen is the word helped in the old King James. Love that old thing. Somebody, by the way, y'all don't know this, but even the King James, if you read the King James, they've even dusted it up a little bit. In other words, they, they cleaned it up a little bit. But I remember when that was, that was the word in there. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Now, what she's doing is prophesying things that are not in order that they will be. You see, she's speaking it as if it has occurred before it happens. 
Because the prophet sees things as they are in the kingdom, as they are in Christ, as they are in another world and declares them, blesses them so that they will be in this world, in this And you are his inheritance that she spoke of not fully knowing what she was saying. But she indicates here that she sort of knows where she is on the map of Bible history. Oh, not geographically, but chronologically. She knows that she stands at the end of a long story. Actually, she doesn't. Well, it is. Do you know, actually, it was the end of a long story and the beginning of a new one? The coming of Jesus was actually the eschatological fulfillment of the promises that Israel had had. Going back to Abraham. And of course, their scriptures went beyond Abraham all the way back to Adam. Matthew knew it. The, the gospels knew it. The people knew it. They knew that they were living inside of a story. And when she says, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring, which is so beautiful because Abraham's offspring is the fruit of her womb. The one offspring come to bring the reign of God to the many. When you pray for the kingdom to come, you don't know what you're asking. I'll leave that there. I've talked about that before. But this is a song that you go, what would this... Like, Mary, that's, a, that's great, man. Mary, let, let, let's, Mary, can we put that to some music? Can we? I mean, where'd the song come from? How do we have it? How do we have it in this historical record? Did people begin to sing the song? And did the sound of the song reach the halls of Herod's house? And as that child came to manhood, Did the sound of the song linger? Of course it did. This would have been the thing that caused Pilate to want to wash his hands, but disturbed him in his sleep. This is the song that caused hearts to say, wow. Now, let's talk about this joy. Something interesting about joy that I notice You get to have the joy, and then you, you go, you go, wait, wait, what happened to our victory? This is really how life is. So um, I won't say much about this. I said probably too much about it last night, but I did something this week. I got interested, or I got obsessed with British politics. I stayed up I stayed up late into the night watching the election returns come in from Great Britain. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna stir you up. Because <laughs> you know, there's a nation that had voted three years ago to leave the European Union. 
and they can't get their politicians to do it. And Britain has this really interesting uh, system that we don't understand so that a, a new prime minister can come in and he has the authority to call for an election. And so Boris Johnson becomes the prime minister of England and he's, you know, they're, they can't get, y'all gonna be all right? <laughs> this is British politics, British, British, British. And they, they can't get their, they can't get their, uh, the, the people who had the joy at the thought of breaking free from a system of government that was overarching their system of government. Can I tell you about governments? Governments have a divine nature in that governments feel that they're sovereign over everything. And their desire is always to exercise more sovereignty, not ever less. And I am born and I am developed and discipled in an innate distrust for governmental authority. And this was Mary proclaiming the end of a governmental system. This was really how it played out in the nasty now and now. So back to Boris Johnson. <laughs> I remember when he called for the election, I wrote my friend Barry Manson. What is he doing? What is he thinking? Because you know what he did? He risked everything on an election. He was willing to lose everything. Until you're willing to lose what you have, you may not be able to gain what you're trying to get. <laughs> I have suffered the loss of all things for Christ my Lord and do count them as rubbish that I might gain him and that I might found it, be found in him, says the Apostle Paul. I'm going to preach myself happy again. So they had their election and I watched it and you, you can, we, can, we can have debates about that. That's not what I'm here for today. But just to say that what we're doing here counts in the here and now and in the, and then in the yet to come. Pray for the kingdom, pray for the kingdom, pray for the kingdom, pray for the kingdom and then be fearless, be bold, take chances, take risks. Hallelujah. He has helped his servant Israel. Well, Israel needed help all the time because she's, then she brings up their history. Do you remember their history? The history of Israel was always, they get a breakthrough with God, the joy of the Lord, and then they would go their own way. It's happened all the way through their history. And if you remember, there came a time in their history when it, when it got so bad that God said, there's nothing I can do with you except displace you. He says to the prophet, I'm going to tear down the hedge and allow the enemies to plunder the vineyard. And boy, they did. They did, they came in and a northern, the northern kingdom was destroyed and then the southern kingdom, old Judah, where Messiah was supposed to come from, gets destroyed. The whole nation gets destroyed. Literally, a nation dies under a merciless king. And they find themselves in captivity. Do you remember? 
Now, how many of you remember the passage of scripture that says, how can we sing our songs in a strange land? If I forget you, oh, Jerusalem. They actually wrote a song about not being able to sing. Because here they were in Babylon, in captivity. The promise is gone. The temple gone. The the kingly line gone. Everything gone. And they're in captivity. And they said, what do we do? And the prophet told them. He said, well, when you find yourselves there, get some land, plant some crops, build some houses. Mary begat children. By the way, can I tell you, would you please do that? Would you please start living a committed life? Would you please teach your children to start living a committed life? Serving for another day. This is what happens when you get old. You want to get it all done at once. And Israel in their story had found themselves without a land. And then the day came when the prophet came and said, you can go home now. The foreign king said, you can go home now. And people began to drift back. And I'm like, you know, I've been there to Israel. It's kind of like Albuquerque. Why'd they go there? I mean, if you see the terrain, it's like, yeah, I live in this place. (laughs) But they said, it was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise and all the nations saw it and joined in. The Lord has done great things for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again. Is that a great song or what? Are you kidding me? But here's what it depicts. It depicts the fact that Your joy in the moment leads to the reality that there's an unfulfilled joy yet to come. Are you kidding me? Your joy in this moment, it's it's wonderful for this moment, but you're hoping for greater things. He said, yes, he did mighty miracles and we're overjoyed. Now, Lord, do it again. Which was to say, they got inside their land. Now, Lord, do it again. Restore us to our formal glory. They're talking about the glory they had when David was king and then he passed it over to Solomon and the temple was built and all the nations were paying taxes to Israel. (laughs) And the the Shekinah, Shekinah glory was there in their midst in the temple. So they knew that the joy that they had was, was a foretaste of the joy they were longing for. It hadn't come yet. It hadn't come yet. 
<laughs> Restore us to our former glory. May streams of your flesh refreshing flow over us until our dry hearts are drenched again, which is them in their land rejoicing, saying, it was like a dream. Oh, we need another one. How many of you know New Life City? It was like, I remember when we started. I remember we came into this building. Little dream, little dream, little dream. But oh, like, I'm like these guys. Do it again, Lord. Refresh us again. But I want not the refreshing of a, of a momentary victory, but the refreshing of being filled with the Holy Spirit at the sound of his voice. Being filled with the Holy Spirit at the sound of the voice of one who is bearing him and declaring him. Well, if you go to Psalm 126, there's, a, there's another passage. Yeah. This is the last part of the passage. And you know this. Those who sow in tears will reap a harvest of joy. Everybody kind of knows this passage. <laughs> they may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow, but they will return with joyful laughter and shouting and gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. Right? You know about going out with tears and coming back with joy. You've, you've said that over yourself a lot of times. But did you know the context? <laughs> the context is like here. It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back. This is, this is, this is what they're saying. So now, so now listen, the tears you're weeping now are a prophecy of the joy that is waiting to come. It's coming. Now, they're still needing more and they get more because they get into the land and when they get into the land, do you remember what the word came back? Old Nehemiah is still over there in captivity and Nehemiah hears from some word from the people who'd returned and when Nehemiah heard the condition, here's what he heard. The joy of the return had ushered forth in the agony of trying to get back what they had lost because it was so vast. And Nehemiah takes up the mantle. He says, it's my turn. He takes it up and he says, he says, I'm going to restore the city. He said, they said, restore us oh, to our former glory. And Nehemiah is the one who's coming to restore them to their glory. So he comes in and he does a hard thing and he does it in a very short time. Builds the city walls and gives the people back another measure of their dignity. And then they gathered the people up and they had the law of the Lord read to them. Now look, listen to this. And Nehemiah who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. Hallelujah. What? They were doing what? They were hearing the law. Listen to what it says. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Why did they weep? Because they knew that what was being said over them, they were not in alignment with. And Nehemiah and the priests prophesy over them and say, no, 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 don't weep. Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
listen, that's another passage that you know the verse, but you don't know the context. So that's why anytime somebody says, the joy of the Lord is my strength, I always say, eat, eat the fat and drink the sweet. That's a good diet. <laughs> they say, what are you doing? I'm saying, I'm finding the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Do you got it though? Don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they've made one more step. Hallelujah. You know what? I threw away my towel and this is the first day I need it in a long time. I'm glad I can get this somewhere. <laughs> How's your joy? How's your joy? How's your joy? Because I remember so well. Hallelujah. It was the last Sunday before the new year in 2014. One of our elders, Barbara Martin, got up before I preached and said, Pastor, I have a word. I want to add to this joy thing because the joy thing is, I know I've got a lot of joy, but I want to tell you why. Higher. Is... This is in me. I have certain core beliefs that are unshakable because I've had to go through things and, and get to Jesus. And scripture is wonderful and it's full of joy, but that's not what's gonna get you joy. You know what's gonna get you joy? When you realize that everything is passing except for Jesus and eternal life. Everything is passing. Everything in my life, everything in your life, every circumstance that's going to come, it's all going to pass away. It's all going to change. Only the eternal remains, and that's something to be joyful about. Keep it going. Keep it going. She comes back up. Sure. Okay, if I can see. How enriched, this is Psalm 84. How enriched are they who find their strength in the Lord within their hearts of the highway of holiness. Even when their path winds through the dark valley of tears, they find the pleasant oasis of refreshing where others find only pain. It, it, in their joy, it will become to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. They go stronger and stronger with each step forward until they find all their strength in God. So she got up and just gave us a word about joy. There was a moment in that 
that the recording only barely caught. It was this. Can I give a scripture to go with it? And then I won't say anything else ever. And then she read to us this psalm. And that was the last time she ever attended a worship service. She went to be with the Lord. I think it was the 2nd of January that she passed. And Steve Carlson and, and, and his wife had come to church on Saturday night. Gail and I were at a wedding. And Barbara wasn't here. And they drove to her house and found her. But she, being dead, yet speaks. Come on, baby. Can I give a scripture to go with it? And then I won't say anything else ever. Are you kidding me? Can I please go like that? (laughs) How enriched are they who find their strength in the Lord? Within their hearts are the highways of holiness. Stand together. Even when their path winds through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep in uh, to, to find the pleasant oasis of refreshing where others find only pain. In their joy, it will become to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an outpouring. (laughs) Barbara herself was filled with the rain of an outpouring. They grow stronger and stronger with every step until they find their strength in God. The joy of the Lord is your strength.